Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoop Show. We are the Weber State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, for the final time this season, Sean Lewis, back fresh from Boise to give us a report and talk a little bit about how things went. Sean, uh, how was it up there, man? You know, always a great time up in Boise and uh, in two different games, I turned to the people I was sitting next to and called out the final score with almost perfect uh, uh, accuracy, um, including the uh, double overtime score. I had that one with 13 minutes left to go in the first half. So I am bragging. I am bragging that uh, uh, I knew what was up when I was in Boise, but always a fun time. Always a fun time up there. I went to Goldie's, got some good food. Ah, So good. Yeah, Sean, uh, he has the receipts, folks. And so if you're, you know, if you're if you're skeptical, um, hey, we've got screenshots. Sean called it, man. He he did watching that one. That was an absolute slugfest. And we'll talk a little bit about it. But I agree, man. Boise is a great venue. I know there are other people in the Big Sky Podcast Network that vehemently disagree, but I like Boise as a site for the, the tournament. So so I could tell you, let, let, let's start on this just as, as the and I know you got to get through the whole thing, but. Uh, attendance was up in Boise anecdotally. Um, I think if we go and check the receipts, we'll find that it really was up, but the change in tournament schedule from, from four games on Thursday, two games, Friday, one game, Saturday to two games, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday with the championship on Wednesday. Now those late games, those are brutal. Even being an arena, right? That, That was killer. But I can tell you, it felt like there were more people in the stands over all the entire week and and credit to john casper and his team they put on a great show every year uh, a lot of fun to be up there in arena and and frankly it's one of those things where if you've never experienced it in person you don't know what you're talking about when you dismiss it um because everybody that goes and and goes up there and and has an experience they love it i sat next to uh doc hubler nice um, the other uh, for one of the games and it was his first time up there and and he sold i think he'll be going on uh up as much as he can now because it it is a fun time for the fans when you're up there watching those games yeah i was a little sad that you know i had planned to go up there as well hadn't been since 2019 which was a good time that was my first time in boise and uh, we had a good time even though the performance that year was not so much fun but um yeah man i was excited to go but our plans changed and so we put it on my calendar to go next year because it's it's fun. I agree with you. Um, I, we're, I'm going to put this out in the ethos. Um, there's a group of us that would love to get a suite together. It's not that much more expensive than the all session tickets. Plus, you get the food and can come and go a little bit easier. And uh, a couple of us looking at doing an Airbnb uh, close to the arena. Uh, so there's there's some opportunities there for for inexpensive housing and and uh, uh, a, a better viewing angle with a suite that has a little bit more amenities than your typical seat. All right. So we'll put that out there. And when the time comes, um, so Sean, let's talk a little bit about today's show. So we're going to recap the two games from the conference tournament. We'll talk a little bit about the Sac state win, which was, that was a, that was a weird game, man. <laughs> we'll talk about how weird that game yep. was. And then we'll talk about the double overtime loss, uh, getting edged by Montana state once again, in the conference semifinals, then we'll uh, we'll put a we'll put a bow on the season. We'll do our end of season swagger. Well, we've got some. We're not going to do typical awards, man. Where it's like this guy's the MVP, most improved player. We're not doing that this year. 
We're going to go off the beaten path a little bit. We're going to, we're going to get down in the nitty gritty. So we got some, some interesting categories for you folks that we'll go through in our end of season swagger segment. And then we'll, uh, we'll do wildcat rants as well, because uh, there's always something to complain about. And so we'll do it. We'll complain. But before we get into all that, encourage you all, please subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I know it's getting late in the season, but uh, we'll be starting up softball soon. Unfortunately, the game this week, a home game, home opener was canceled. That's too bad because my understanding is there's a lot of snow in Ogden. (laughs) So no softball in Ogden quite yet, but uh, we'll be continuing our coverage now that hoops is wrapped up with some softball coverage to lead us out. And then we'll be doing some interview stuff over the course of the summer, kind of keep folks interested and keep our Patreon supporters, um, keep them around, thank them for what they do. Uh, You can also get us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then, like I said, Patreon, patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly. If you want to get some of this good content, uh, we'll be giving our interviews to some of them will be Patreon exclusive interviews. So the general public will not get those interviews at all. And some of them will be Patreon um, first interviews. So folks will get them first and then they will get moved to the general feed. So we'll decide kind of how that works. But overall... We did the premium preview for you folks. Had a good time there. We're going to try and maybe do some of that once softball season, uh, once we get around to that. But patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly. All right, Sean, let's talk a little bit about Boise, man. Uh, the Sac State game, um, like I said, this one was really, really weird because the game was never in doubt. Um, the Wildcats held a fairly comfortable lead, except for maybe three minutes to go where sack kind of made a little bit of a run there, but Wildcats do enough to hold on and win by six. Uh, Wildcats actually got outscored by 10 points in the second half, but they outscored Sac state by 16 points. So it didn't matter, (laughs) but I don't know, man. Like, what's your, uh, what'd you like about that game? Cause there were some things to like. We'll talk more about so, what you didn't like. I, I talked with the coach stuffed after the game in, in the press conference and, and I told him this directly. I think the first half was the best 20 minutes of defense that the Wildcats put together oh, all yeah. season long. No, it was um, I, I thought that first half was, was a clinic in, in defense and, you know, the hardest thing to do is to keep your foot on the gas and, and keep it going. Right. And, and if it wasn't for that, uh, first half, uh, you don't have, you, you don't win that game because the second half was the complete opposite. Right. Uh, um, yeah, it was like a regression to the mean, which was really, really strange after with the energy that they came out with, where it was like, this team is on a mission. Yeah. And it was almost like that first half, they wanted to make a statement. And then you get up 41, 25 in the second half. It's like, let's just put this on cruise control. And they, they fell asleep. And then all of a sudden it's uh, you're being outscored by 10 and and you've got to think about the end of the game scenarios. So um, didn't quite like that. I actually thought in the first half, um, I think we talked about this. I, I thought uh, Tomba, was playing better defense on McCray than Alex Chu was. And that's not a, a criticism of Alex Chu. I just thought that of the two of them, I thought, I thought that Tomba was giving uh, McCray the, the better or more difficult time to get to the basket. Yeah. I felt like Tomba's length was what gave McCray 
some heartburn because McCray yeah. did basically like, I mean, for we talked about this in our premium preview. McCray is a very impactful player. He's a player that you have to, he commands attention. And his deal was that, you know, he offensive rebounds, like he's the best offensive rebounder in the conference. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any offensive rebounds in the first half. And he only ended up mustering one in the whole game, which I think yep. is a credit to the Wildcat defense. Once again, like they knew that rebounding would be a key piece to what goes on. And they did a good job of trying to limit that as much as possible because that was Sack's game and they took it away. Yeah, the, completely. Um, Sack only shot, uh, if I have this right, two free throws in the first half. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a, that was just an all around just beat down in the first half. And then, um, you know, the Wildcats led wire to wire. Um, but it was, it was, it was, like you said, a weird game is about the only way to describe it. So, um, but they got the dub and that's what matters. And you need to always beat the green team. So um, that's, that's the, that's what matters on that one. And I, and I think our fans will want to talk more about the second game than the, the the, uh, quarterfinal game. Um, I I do want to say, uh, you know, credit to the Wildcats overall in Boise. Um, They played their seat. They won the game they were supposed to. They lost the game they were supposed to. I don't think anybody can take that as a disappointment over the weekend. So funny, funny thing to point out. If you go to the to the stats, uh, if you go to the website and you pull up the stats, the box score for the Weaver sack game, (laughs) it took me a second because I opened it up. And at first I was like, wait, did I choose the wrong thing? Is this is this the women's game? Because, you know, we lose to sack is that like what what's the deal here and um and like it it has weber state is 64 sack is 70 and then it it also has alec chu playing for for sack yeah same with steve or (laughs) plankin so it's like man i don't know this is all like it's all mixed up dude but super funny but second half, like you said, let's talk about things we don't like, because I think that's a good transition. That second half, like you said, they really put it on cruise control, regressed to the mean, and gave Sack hope to get back in the game. And they did a lot of things that they wanted to do in the second half. They started to rebound a little bit more, which, you know, is inevitable. They're going to finally get to do the thing that they want to do. But they shot 16 of 27. Uh, you know, in the first half, they shot 10 of 22. That's what they did. And then they shot three of nine from three, which, you know, it's not burning down the nets, but, but that well, 16 I'm, of 27 is the thing that, you know, you look at that and go, yeah, they made six more buckets in the second half than they did the first. I'll tell you what I didn't like in that game. And that is uh, do it all DJ um, only getting five boards and, and, and Sacramento holding him to half his season average as the best rebounder overall, best defensive rebounder of the country, holding him to half his average. What, what's up with that? Um, he ended up with 18 points on uh, seven and 19 shooting, but I, I think there's a there's a sense throughout uh, the people that I was talking to that the DJ wasn't. Uh, I don't, how do I put this politely? Um, as engaged as as he probably could have been in both of these games, and so. Um, whether that was a, a self-imposed mental distraction, maybe it was something else. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to call him out on that, but but that was the stat that stood out to me was he only got five boards in the game against Sack. Yeah, and I think that 
it's kind of funny because Weber State came away with 18 rebounds in total. No offensive rebounds. 18 rebounds in total. They actually got out-rebounded by SAC. And so we talked about how even though they wanted to take that away, they still got out-rebounded, but they got enough rebounds that it didn't matter. I mean, and I hear what you're saying where it's like, it's tough. Jones comes away with just five rebounds. Had a really tough, not, not just this game, but in, in the yeah, game against tough, Montana tough State. Tournament. Yeah. He did because he did not shoot the three well. Um, I think that, you know, in this game, he went one of seven. And so he was trying. And that one three that he did hit in the game was really was a big super, one. It was super timely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but he kept trying to hit those threes and they were good looks. They just, just something about it. They just weren't going down. And then, like you said, the boards normally very dominant on the boards, but in this one, um, not, and only comes away with five boards, but he did have four assists. I'll say that. Yeah, no. And look, if, if at three quarter or half DJ scores us 18 points and five boards, and he's still better than half the players in the conference. Right. So, you know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to speculate on what was going on, but, but it just felt like he was off. Yeah. the entire tournament. And, and if an off DJ still gets you 18 points, well, I'll take off DJ, but, but if we had fully a hundred percent DJ playing to his full potential, um, things might've turned out a little bit differently on uh, Tuesday night. Um, Also to point out in this game, he's not living at the line either. He's only three of four from the free throw line. Not getting the calls. Yeah, he was not getting the calls that he normally did. And I think that that probably frustrated him. So it probably plays into what you're talking about, Sean, where it's just like the refs aren't giving him the calls. Like these, they're swallowing their whistle on a lot of things where I was like, really? We're not calling that? Which is weird to say they were swallowing the whistle over the whole weekend because there was a lot of whistles throughout the whole weekend. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in the next one, aren't we? But yeah, and this one, Jones wasn't really getting the calls. The Wildcats overall didn't shoot a ton of free throws in this one. 10 of 12, you know, it's not a bunch. Nobody went to the line really more than more than Jones with three or four. But still, not a, not a ton of free throw shooting compared to... Um, compared to Sac State, who also didn't shoot a lot either. They only saw five of six. Five of six free throws for the yeah. whole game, so... Uh, credit to uh, Stephen Verplanken and KJ Cunningham, both both finishing the sack game with 16 points. They were they were huge in that game. Yeah, I think um, it was career and, high and really for carrying KJ, the team. Was it? Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but uh, probably close. Yeah, but I mean, the Wildcats end up pulling this one out, so we didn't necessarily like the way the second half went. Um, kind of hit cruise control a little bit, but they do enough to get it done, eliminate Sac State, beat the green teams. We love that. And they get to move on. Um, so I don't know. You want to you want to throw out an MVP for this one, Sean, or do we just move on and we just talk? Let's about just it? move on. All right. So let's talk then about the semifinal game because after Eastern went down to NAU on Monday, I think everybody was like, or actually that was Sunday, right? Sunday night. Yep. 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 Because Monday was the was the day, it was our day to play, and uh, Eastern goes down, and, and then all of a sudden there's this sense that. The tournament just got wide open. Let, let me tell you, I, I, the Northern Arizona run is, in my opinion, is the greatest run in Big Sky Conference tournament history. Going from second to last in the conference standings, coming in as a nine seed, making the title game, and 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 you know, giving it everything they had in the title game. Uh, but four games in five days is just difficult for anybody. 
but uh but with that shot taken out eastern there were two teams both from the state of montana that uh pretty much thought that the the, the conference tournament was going to come down to cat grizz and that it was their birthright to win and um montana got handled uh by by the northern arizona and and lost that that yeah. semifinal game um and montana state took care of their business against weber um well i don't know I'll but well, yeah, well we'll talk about it but but yeah i i think that you're exactly right when once ewu goes down there was a whole different feel in the arena and amongst people up in the media center and 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 uh just fans that you talk to that that there was something going on in this tournament that, that wasn't uh the typical and so um yeah it was um i think i think a lot of teams smelled the blood in the water and were ready to to go and take that and congrats for msu for for uh for winning it all yeah congrats um <laughs> yeah i i and i think that nau was it sort of was a, almost like a perfect storm because they had they had the right pieces to beat Eastern, which was really, really weird because they had the bigs who could stretch the floor and shoot the three in Nick Maines. And they had Jalen Cohn who's the second best, you know, three point shooter in the conference. They had Carson tout who did a great job of digging out offensive rebounds and giving NAU a chance. And so it was just like, they just had seemed to have just the right personnel to stay competitive with Eastern and give themselves a chance right there at the end of the game. And then well, that, that's what it was. They stayed close throughout it. And, and that bucket, I mean, that was from the logo, man. I mean, that was, that was yeah. a deep three from a guy that hadn't been hitting threes until, yeah. until that week. And so, you know, that was a, just a, crazy moment a crazy shot and and you could tell that eastern was stunned but you know that's the game that i sat next to to doc on and then frankly we were sitting there saying you can't let these guys hang around you can't let these guys hang around Mm -hmm. and and the second that game was over i I turned to to doc hubler and i said look you know that sprinkle is telling his team this very moment you just saw them go out you got to pay attention. Don't let teams hang around. Right. And, yeah. and that was, you know, that that's, that's what happens, but I, I don't, we need to move on, but the, the, that was just a crazy week when that went out. So then you get the, the semifinal with, with Weber and, and Montana state, um, which there was some talk around the arena that, that the true title game, the, that was the, the matchup that that was going to determine the big sky champion and, and it essentially did um, just like but, last year, right? Just like yeah, last year. Yeah. Cause I and, don't think there was and, any doubt that whoever won last year's last year's semifinal bout between the two teams was going to go in there and throttle Northern Colorado in the title game. Like, I don't think there was any what doubt. happened. Yeah. Which is exactly yeah. what happened. And so in this one, it's like, okay, whoever wins, I think that there was some, I think maybe some folks might've felt that, well, NAU has already taken out number one and number four. Could they take two out? Probably. Who knows? But like you said, Sean, four games in five days is an awful. Well, and, and I was talking to some of the guys from NAU in the media center and, you know, the discussion, we've had the discussion here on this show. How many times did they lose by one point? How many times yeah. did they lose by one possession, three points? You know, the majority of their season was played so close to the edge and it was good to just finally see them get some karma. Right. 
and yeah. and exercise some of those demons. So it's not that they were a bad team. They're a bad team by record, but they played everybody close and tight. And that is just their MO this year. And, and they came out on the wrong side of, of a lot of those. But but going in, because Weber State, Montana State was the last semifinal, started at 9 o'clock at night. We'd already seen Montana go down. You already know that the winner is going to get NAU. And so you, there was some some hype for that matchup. And you get into it, and it is a – both coaches talked about the defensive slugfest that it was. Yeah. And it was very physical, um, no doubt about that. And I don't know how much – Tactically, that that was planned or what that was. And I don't know how much the officials played into it, but gosh, there was a whistle every end of the floor. There was no flow to that game. And when you looked at the 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 play by play and I'm going to pull this up here because I want to make sure I, I get it right, because uh, at about 13 minutes left in the second half. Um, oh, pardon me, I'm on the wrong screen. Um, uh, with 13 minutes left to go in the second half, the score was um, 40 to 38. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's a low scoring game. Yeah. Porter has two and puts the Wildcats ahead. Yeah. And that's, that's just a, a, I mean, what was the biggest lead in that game? I, I think it ended up being maybe six points over the entire game. Um for that one. And so it's just, just crazy how um, there were 15 ties, 17 lead changes, you know, um, frankly shocked. There was only one technical foul. um, And that one was questionable at best. Um, But it, it was just a, just a, just a, bloodbath out there that, that was difficult to watch um but let, let's get into it i mean you had dj scoring 18 you had steve replankin scoring 14 um but again dj was 0 for 5 for 3 um he did get to the line a little bit better shot 8 of 11 um ended up with 16 rebounds which is which was fantastic um but then you look at at raekwon battle the the big sky mvp um, with 17 points tournament MVP. or the, the tournament MVP. Thank you. Sorry. Um, no, no offense to Mr. Venters um, from EWU. Um, uh, Jabril Bello, um, just a monster uh, getting 12 points and, and drawing a lot of fouls. Um, yeah. Drawing a lot uh, of he had 16 free throws just on his own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in fact, that's where all of his points, all, every point of his came from the free throw line. Yeah. So you look at the defense, the, the, the Wildcats play, they weren't getting in once. Uh, he was getting the foul. He was missing the shot and then he'd hit the free throws. So um, it's just a weird, different game. I don't know. Cody, what were your thoughts about it? Yeah. I mean, definitely slugfest. Like, right. Like you said, this was a double overtime bout that only cracked 60. Right. And it was still a two point loss by the Wildcats on a, you know, runner right there at the end of the game it was basically an alley oop to Raekwon battle when the Wildcat front court had fouled out. And so just, I think. Well, a missed assignment. Uh, there was a missed defensive assignment. He got behind the defense and that opened it up. Um, I would say that in terms of, I think that it's going to sound weird, but this game delivered the hype. 
I mean, is that fair to say, Sean? That oh, like, certainly, certainly. People delivered. saw this as like this is really going to be a decider in who wins the conference championship, and it was that right. And no team had really any sort of significant advantage. It seemed. Oh well, one team seemed to have more of an advantage than the other. <laughs> Whatever. But but right. look, if if you're lying in bed in the central or eastern time zone and you're flipping channels at, at midnight and you see a game that's going double overtime to I wish I had the ratings to see if ratings went up at, at the end of this. But, you know, a double overtime game in a conference tournament. I mean, these are two teams that were just so evenly matched. I mean, the games in the regular yeah. season weren't that weren't that cl- as far apart, right? Um, there were there were close scores throughout the season. These are just, you just got to say these two. Did it, it's like how did I point this out to you guys? I think I said it was like the Spider Man meme pointing at each other, right? Yeah, these yeah. two teams, and and they're they're just standing there looking, and and these, these are mirror image teams of each other. They have, they have strong guard, strong wing play, a couple of really good big men, and if if Danny Sprinkle stays around at Montana State for a couple of years, these battles are only going to get better. Yeah. So Sean, what do you, uh, what do you make of this now? Where do you think the Wildcats are at? Because the Wildcats fall in double overtime. Like you said, Raekwon Battle gets the alley-oop and that's the deciding bucket to give the the Bobcats the edge, give them the winner in double overtime to move on to the conference championship game, which well, that game wasn't particularly close. I think that people had hoped it would be closer than it was, but it wasn't. Now, what do you make of it? The Wildcats losing two years in a row now in close hard fought games to Montana state. I, I think that uh, Montana state has capitalized on what they've got. Um, they're the, the hot team in the big sky. I mean, they're, they're back-to-back tournament champions for a reason. Um, I look at it that, you know, it's hard to look at this as, as, as just the tournament, right? Because you, you want to take the whole season as a whole. And, um, Anytime you tell me that you're going to be in a semifinal and you're going to go to overtime uh, for a chance to win a conference title, um, I don't know that anybody can ask and say they're disappointed with that, right? Because if you're playing double overtime, you know, it's, it's a close game. It ended on two points, you know, 58 to 60. I mean, that's after two, I mean, you played 50 minutes of basketball. Um but if you look at if you look at the season as a whole and say, gosh, OK, the Wildcats are going to finish third in the conference. They're going to lose in overtime or double overtime in the in the conference semifinals in the tournament. Was this a bad season? No. no. Was it the greatest season in Wildcat history? No, no. Um, but, you know, goodness gracious, there were some fun times. Uh, there were some highs. There were some lows. And, but I think at the end of the day, you're the third seed. You, you did exactly what you were supposed to do in the tournament and, and they had their shots, you know, one more bucket goes in, you you make one more defensive stop, you know, you had your shot and, and you came up a little bit short, but I don't think that's any reason to hang your head. I don't think wildcat fans should be disappointed in the basketball team. Um, I think Grant Duft has a little bit to learn as a coach. And Eric. and Eric Duff, sorry, um, too too many too many Duffs. Not in football the, in season the, yet. Not football, it's not football season. season. Yeah, I get those two mixed up all the time. Eric, he's got some things to learn as a coach. Um, but 
you know, that he's going to improve. Um, I tried to ask him in the press conference after that game to reflect on a season. And, you know, he gave me a good non-answer about, you know, there's always work to be done and, and, and he's got things to do. So, um, but I, I think it's a successful, you finished third in the conference, which is you're in the top three, you had a chance. Um, and let's hope that next year is going to be good. You know, uh, uh, DJ was sitting on the podium in the press conference after the, after that game and started listening off all the stuff that they've got coming back. And, and he's excited for next season. And he's like, we're going to be good, you know, and, and there's going to be some continuity in the wildcats, right? Yeah. Uh, cause we're not losing much scoring. Uh, we're not, this team's going to basically all five starters are coming back. If I understand that correctly. So the, there's, there's a chance that this team can, can learn from this and improve. Um, but if you lose the eventual champion, I don't know that there's much to, to cry about. I think that in, in the woes that were November and December, if you came to me in those moments and said, Colby, this team is going to be the three seed and is going to lose and double overtime in the semifinal. I will probably wouldn't have believed you in that moment. So just kind of taking a step back and saying, yes, it sucks to come short once again in the conference tournament. You know, Wildcat fans are thirsty f- to hang a banner. It's been a while. I, I got the memory of 2016 in my memories on Facebook a couple of days ago, shared that in the Weber State fans Facebook group. But if you had told me in early December, that this is a team that was a three seed and that lost in double overtime to the eventual champion in the semifinal. I don't think I would have believed you then. So it just kind of shows the growth over the season that uh, occurred. And like you said, Sean, almost everybody is coming back as the core of this team returns. Yeah. And, and, and with a, with a hunger to win and, and do something, you know, this is the longest stretch of wildcat basketball without a NCAA tournament appearance, which is an interesting thing to note. Historically, uh, historically you've gone once every five years, um, over the lifetime of the program. I think that's what I had a couple of years ago when, when we did that analysis, um, it did it, it, the fans are hungry and, and, uh, people in the state of Utah love a winner and, and wildcat basketball needs to, to get back to that winning way. You know, we, we've always kind of thought that basketball is our birthright. We've won the conference more times than any other school in conference history. And, you know, it, it's funny, they hang the banners in the arena up there uh, in Boise and they have all the past winners. And, uh, we were talking about, you know, I, I was talking to somebody, I think it was an NAU guy, uh, that I made friends with, uh, up there. And, and I, I said, look at him. We were talking about the green teams. We we're joking about, you know, don't lose the green teams. <laughs> oh, I, and we looked at the, we looked at the, the conference tournament. I said, how many green teams do you see up there? And he looked at it like, oh, wait, there's none. Right. And like, and how many times are we were state in Montana up there? And it's like, you know, <laughs> so many times that the, the, uh, the schools are up there. So, uh, we need to get back to winning, but third place isn't shameful. Right. And, yeah. and holding to your seat in the conference tournament isn't shameful. Um, gosh, that was a fun game to watch, but it was a hard game to watch. It was, it was, you love the double overtime because it's close. You hate the double overtime because it only got the 60 points and, and there's just no, no rhythm to it. And it, and it felt like whoever was going to make the free throws was going to win. It's a good way to sum it up. 
So, Sean, any final parting thoughts on this before we move on to end of season swagger? No, I just like I say, it's always a fun time. I enjoy seeing some people from around the conference. It, it's it's just a good, good time. And I'm glad that they do it in an arena that's the perfect size for the big sky. Um, I can nitpick about a lot of things. But overall, I think the Wildcats have had a good season. Um, it, you know, it's the first season I've had to watch more remotely than than being in an arena, which was a different perspective for me uh, and seeing it from this this angle and and uh I'm just glad for the opportunity to be here and to talk about Weber State basketball and that I I think some good times are ahead uh, for the Wildcats. Yeah, plus uh, another gift from this conference tournament is Lance Hartzler, who used to be the beat writer for NAU, then was a beat writer for a time for Montana, now doing something else, did some writing for Mid-Major Madness this year. Um, compiled a list of Joe Craven's one-liners. That's worth your time. <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's good. I haven't seen that. I gotta. <laughs> and then he, he also some... uh, he created a a, a Joe Craven's uh, with fire eyes meme. Yeah, I, I saved that one. Oh, yeah. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to send that one to me. Oh no problem. I, I, you know, I one of the people I sit with on the regular at, at the the tournament is not a Joe Cravens fan, and then there's some stuff I won't get into any of that. But uh, uh, you know, uh, I was listening to a replay, or I, I put the the feed on to watch a replay and heard a one liner, and I, I I think I said something like National Treasure Joe Cravens, and oh, yeah. I got a dirty look <laughs> from my buddy that's not a big fan, and uh, <laughs> it was just just funny <laughs> it was nice to hear i think a lot of people i noticed that there were people watching just because it was basketball on which i think also speaks to the strength of moving the tournament to when it did more people i we'd have to get the numbers but it seemed like more people watched because of yeah. when it was on uh, i mean as as a sports fan on twitter you find yourself in certain fandoms and so me being a milwaukee brewers fan following a lot of Milwaukee Brewers fellow fans on Twitter. There were people from Wisconsin who were commenting on this funny color guy for this big sky tournament, you know, and those are folks that are they're they're big 10 folks. They're watching Wisconsin play and they were watching this stuff, you know? So it was this kind of this weird crossover of my fandoms where it's like, yeah, people are enjoying this. So it, it feels like, this was a good year. A lot of things went well for the conference. They had the right team having Tony and, and Joe Cravens there. A lot of big moments like the NAU shot um, to win we, and eliminate Eastern. Just to that point, credit to credit to the conference. Usually, you know, uh, Joe Cravens has been doing the conference tournament for ever and he's had a couple of different play-by-plays i think this is tony's first year doing the play-by-play second at the conference the second year yeah. i'm always there so i'm not listening so i don't know but i think this is the f- first year and maybe i'm wrong you'll correct me but i think this is the first year that that those two have got to do the espn call because previously they've had they had they've had the conference guys do the the early rounds and then they bring in announcers to do the the espn game uh usually just the title game and now we've had three games on espn and they let joe and and uh, tony do it and i thought tony knocked it out of the park i listened to his call on the championship game um and and credit to them i mean tony's a great guy we've met him he's a friend of the program um and uh 
he 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 knocked it out of the park, and and Joe Cravens is Joe Cravens, he's a national treasure, and he's he's got those one liners and and stuff that just make you smile. I like that Joe Cravens is our guy. Like, yeah, he's a big sky guy, but he's our guy, especially with all of the, you know, talk of Eastern going undefeated and the 2003 Wildcats. Plus, they didn't talk about the 6970 Wildcats nearly as much, but like, they talked a lot about the 2003 Wildcats. And so, yep. Joe, Joe being a part of that group. And mm-hmm. so it was just sort of like this weird, a lot of, a lot of Weaver storylines this year all over the place in the conference, but overall great tournament, really enjoyed it. And we'll look forward to next year. Let's do some swagger, Colby. Now let's talk a little bit about, yeah, end of season swagger because the season's wrapped up. The Wildcats chose not to continue into uh, postseason tournament. So that was it. Uh, things wrapped up in Boise for them this season, and they will go into their off season and figure stuff out. So we wanted to give away some awards, but we didn't want to do like normal awards or talk about, you know, the, the same normal stuff of big, you know, MVP and most improved player and all that junk. So I wanted to focus more on some things that you know, maybe give some guys who maybe don't necessarily get the credit, that kind of stuff. And so I just had questions for Sean, because I know Sean watched a lot of basketball. He always watches a lot of basketball, which is why he's sitting in that chair right over there. And so, Sean, my first question for you on this one was, who do you think had the biggest moment in in for the Wildcats in the season? And it could be either I give non-conference or conference, the whole bit. I want to I want to give this to the team. Right. Okay. Because the biggest the biggest moment for me of this season was beating Utah State in Logan. Oh yeah. And and that that's a tournament team, right? Yeah. Utah State is the only team from from the state of Utah that's playing in in uh, some basketball tournament that starts on Thursday. I mean, I don't count the first four uh, playing games. Don't count to to the tournament, but um, uh, but I think that was the biggest moment of the season. I think it was a turnaround moment of the season. And uh, I can't credit that to one guy. That was a team win. So, so the, the highlight of the season was the conference's only quad one win. Yeah. So, so that's the biggest moment of the season, hands down for me. Yeah. No, that was huge. That was absolutely huge. Cause like you said, this was a really good Utah State team. Really, really good. A team that played San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, watched a good chunk of that game. And, the difference in that game was they just couldn't hit their threes, which was crazy because they're a team that is so good at shooting the three. But yeah. for the Wildcats to go up to Smith Spectrum and beat that team on their floor, I mean, a heck of an achievement because, like you said, Sean, the only team from Utah who gets to play in that tournament this year. Nobody yeah. else. So so that's the biggest moment. How about you? For me, I I got to say it's it's Steve hitting the 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 joy stealing three in Missoula to beat the Grizz when they felt like they had it in the bag wins in Missoula are so few and far between that you have to savor them. Um, you know, big time wildcat fan Blair Shoup talked about how that was the first time for him seeing the wildcats win in Missoula. He'd been up there a number of times, but that was the first time watching the Wildcats get the dub at Dahlberg for him personally. And so just that moment was just so, so big time. 
because if that hadn't happened, we very easily could have got swept by Montana this season, which doesn't yep. feel good, right? Because they came to Ogden. Anand Moody was a really incredible player for them this season. I think he's done. I think he might. I don't know. I don't know. Because the COVID year is weird, man. Like, because yeah. he's, he's played at least five years, but like there may be a sixth. Like, I, I don't know, man. But um, it could be an eighth. <laughs> who knows, right? But uh, that that moment for Steve, and it also sort of like, I don't know. That was a big moment, not just for Steve, but for the team to be like, yeah, man. And to me, that was the biggest moment of the season. There were... I mean, the Utah State win is absolutely a huge moment. Like we said, a quad one win for the Wildcats, the only one in the conference. Um, and that's saying something with the, with the kind of season that Eastern Washington just had. Yeah. But that was... No, I, I think that's a good one. Because I'm, I mean, I'm running around my house when that happens. Because it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, because we had missed some really key moments. Like, ah. Uh, well, and, and think about the moment where that happened. They're down and they need a miracle. And then Montana's got the ball. Yeah. And we had to we had to get a turnover for him to even having a chance to attempt that. So right. so yeah, a huge moment because because with I forget how many seconds were left, but you, I remember watching that and thinking, okay, this one's all right. I want to turn it off because I'm just so frustrated with it. And then we ended up winning. It was fantastic. Yeah, and the call was just so amazing, dude. Where the guy's <laughs> like, oh, and he's still oh. <laughs> those are the biggest moments uh between sean and i next so one, Kobe, who is your unsung i want you to go first on with some of these okay. who is your unsung hero so i think unsung hero i had a couple of guys in mind um and i think that the, the play that we just talked about with with Steve Verplanken making that that really clutch three to put the Wildcats up two and yep. give them the win. Um, leading up to that, Dyson Kohler is the one that gets the inbound steal and passes the ball to Steve to make that shot possible. I felt like yeah. Kohler had a lot of moments like that this season where he had he had big time moments that didn't necessarily feel big time because something else happened right after and overshadowed it. I mean, I, that game against the double overtime win against Idaho state and Pocatello Kohler had a number of moments in that game as well that really, really mattered. And so I felt like Kohler didn't necessarily get the dues. He didn't get the hype that others did. We didn't talk about him nearly as much this season, but I felt like, Dyson Kohler had a lot of really big moments and I'll be glad to have him back next season because I think that there was, I think that there was some doubt about whether or not he would even play again in the off season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember it. To go from that to some of the, the, the impacts that he had over the season. Yeah. I think Dyson Kohler is my unsung hero this season. So mine is, this is going to sound weird. I don't know. Steve Verplinken for me. Um, I came into the season really high on him, wanted to see what he could do. He quickly became one of my favorite players on the team. Yeah. Um, but all the star attention went to do it all DJ rightfully. So yeah. and, and DJ is the alpha. He's the MVP. Um, he He's the guy. It's his team. Right. Yeah. But I thought, there were so many times this season when Verplanken just had the consistency. He had the the calmness, the the coolness, the to hit big shots when he needed them. He didn't always hit the three very well, but 
but his fade he away, hit the big shots. His mid range, that, mid, that mid range fadeaway is butter. Smooth. It is it is beautiful, and and uh, that could go in a museum, right? Um, that that is uh, just an un, unappreciated part of his game, and and in a, in, a, in an era when the mid range game is all but forgotten, he's he he's like a throwback to that. And so um, he's my unsung hero just because I don't think he got the, the credit that DJ gets for being the star when, when I think Steve is, is, you know, if DJ is one a, then, then, then Steve's number two, but it's, it's really close. Yeah. No, good. That's a good, that's a good pick, man. Uh, Steve really had some big moments and did a lot of nice things that maybe didn't necessarily get the, the love. He didn't get a, did, did, did he end up getting a, yeah, he ended up getting an all conference team. I think he was, he was on the all conference team. team. Yep. yep. So he did get some notoriety there and it was deserved, but yeah, I mean, obviously with the kind of season that Jones had, I mean, well, I've made it clear that I think Jones should have been the MVP making no mistake about that. Um, by the way, I can't remember who somebody just put out another, like another, you know, award thing and Raekwon battle and Dylan Jones were first teamers. And uh, still, Ventures was second team. Just saying. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's talk about um, Glue Guy because we've talked about so, Unsung Hero, and that's big. But who do you feel was the Glue Guy on this squad? The guy that kind of made so things happen. It, it took me a couple of uh, games, and and it really was when we, we we went to Ogden for the Sacramento State game. And we hung around after the game and and got my children some autographs and stuff like that. And one of the guys to come up to us was Junior Ballard. And I talked about, hey, how was your night? Because I didn't have a box score in front of me. But I remember making some hustle plays and stuff. And and he turns to me and says, oh, it was more of a, a defensive night or something like that. And so I started paying attention to his stat lines. And a lot of times you could say he disappeared. But in so many games, he made the hustle play or was around in the big moments. Um, and, and so I'm kind of torn because I want to say him, but I also want to say Dyson Kohler, as you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I think those two were it. But I, I think I want to go Junior Ballard just because I think he focused on doing a lot of the things that the team needed that didn't necessarily benefit him on the stat sheet. And and to me, that's the definition of the glue guy who's making the hustle plays, who's Who's making uh, everything? My all-time favorite uh, glue guy in Weaver State history is Darren Mahoney. For those reasons, he was always the one sacrificed his body and and going. He'd make a big three, but he wasn't the star. He wasn't the 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 name player. Um, and I think Junior Ballard kind of fits that role. For me, I think that my glue guy is going to go to KJ Cunningham, and here's why: KJ. So when they inserted KJ into the starting lineup, we started to see a big change with the team. The team got off to a really rough start. The out-of-conference schedule wasn't particularly difficult. It wasn't Uh like it was the... the, Last year's out-of-conference was tougher, I think. But once they inserted KJ into the starting lineup, things really started to change. And he sort of... He stayed there. Right. Yeah. And and KJ didn't necessarily always have the biggest night. He didn't always have the most assists. He didn't even always bring the ball up the floor. You know, Jones did a lot of handling yeah. the ball and, and that made sense because he was the, the true scoring threat. And so, but 
KJ, I felt, had his moments. I mean, we saw it in the Sac State game where he had some really big shots. He did some things that helped keep the Wildcats ahead and keep the Hornets at bay. And so for me, KJ being inserted into the starting lineup and his impact for the rest of the season sort of marked the change in this team when we started to see that growth away from this team that just loses, loses, loses to a team that really yep. started to believe in itself. Yeah, no, I, I it's a great call. I, I, I think um, the, the, the character of this team is we had a couple of alpha guys at the top, but a lot of really good role guys, a lot of guys that went out, did their job, knew what their job was and did it and, and played to the best of their ability. So um, you could name three or four guys as, as the best glue guy. Right. Um, last question for you, Sean. Based on everything you saw, whether you were at the Palace, you were in Boise, you were watching the game online, you know, on ESPN Plus, who do you think had the best time? Who was having the most fun in your view? That's a tough one, Colby, because body language is so important and, and right. guys are, are up and down. I, I, I'm still trying to think of this one just because I can't. Uh, it. it it eludes me, frankly. Um, and, I, and so let me let me think about this for just a second. Um, do you want to talk for a second about who yeah, you're yeah, yeah. yeah, while, while I think? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, for me, I think the guy that was having the most fun was Steve Verplanken. Uh, I haven't I haven't shouted out Steve yet in, in any of my uh, my shout outs. Well, except for, you know, the big shot. But I felt yeah. like Steve had the most fun, you know, a guy who went from JUCO to Southern Illinois, now at Weber State, uh, and really stepping into the, his role that he found here. A guy who we didn't even know if he was going to be able to play. You know, there, yeah. was, there was question about whether he was going to get the waiver from the NCAA to even put on the jersey this season. And, I mean, can you imagine if he hadn't? How different would this season have been if Steve Verplanken had not been in the starting lineup? Very, very different. But Steve yeah, I, I just he just felt like he was having a good time out there, man. It just felt like he was out there. He was playing his game. And for the most part, it worked. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm gonna throw out somebody we haven't talked about a lot, and, and this may sound weird. I I want to talk about Alex Chu. Okay. Um, just because I think he's He's a guy that uh, um, I don't know if he had the best time in game all the time, uh, but he has such a great attitude and he grew um, a lot this season. He I grew felt. a lot. And yeah. I felt like if they got the ball to him early and got him some early, early buckets that his games went better. Um, and, and you could tell, but he, he gets frustrated. I know. Um, but I, I I'm going to say Alex Chu. No, that's good. Cause like you said, Alex really took some strides forward this season that you could see the growth from the beginning of the season to the end. Um, had a rough game against Jabril Bello, uh, but that's what yeah. it is. But I, I agree. Two had some really, really good games and had seemed like there were, there were moments where when they were able to get him more involved, especially late in the season. Yeah. Things really, they, they were working for him that first half. The job that he did on Callum McRae. Yeah. Just incredible. So that is it, man. That is our end of season swagger. 
We've handed out our unconventional awards, but uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed them. Now let's talk a little bit about Wildcat Rants. Sean, it's our opportunity now to talk about something that's on your mind. So I'm going to let you go first. What's your Wildcat Rant for this week? So my Wildcat Rant right now is just the unwatchable um, basketball uh, that we seem to see more often than not in the Big Sky Conference. Um, on on the Twitter machine, uh, Sean Rainey uh, had a, a tweet um, about the Big Sky fouls. Championship game and yeah. fouls. 60 free throw attempts. All other D1 games that same day averaged 34.1 free throws. So now I'm not saying I I'm on the record. A foul sh- should be a foul at the first minute and the last minute. Uh, but watching that Montana state Weber state game, that semifinal where there was a whistle every time down the floor, uh, there's times when somebody breathes on somebody and it's a foul and you look at it and there's somebody get, being tackled and it's a no call. All I'm asking for in this rant is that I, I would hope that the big sky routinely looks at their officiating and who's calling their games and that we get consistency and that we get um, something that, that where the officials aren't the, the star of the game, right? Let, let's make it so that it's an actual watchable product. Basketball is supposed to flow and 60 points in a double overtime. There's no flow. And and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what it is. But if we're calling more fouls and shooting more free throws than any other conference in the country, then maybe we need to look at us and see how we're doing things. And what are we doing differently that other conferences aren't so that so that we can just have an enjoyable basketball game to watch. Watching a free throw contest is not what the fans pay money to see. Watching the officials get their FaceTime on TV as they review calls ad nauseum for 16 minutes at a time. Um, and that's an exaggeration and hyperbole, but, but I think you get the point. Points, uh, but but yeah, let, let's let's see if we can get a little bit more consistency. You know, if you're going to have bad officials, at least they're bad for both teams. But, but, but I hate that almost every game in the big sky one team or another always complains about officiating and that's the winning teams complain about officiating. So, you know, maybe we need to look into it. I don't know. I don't have answers. That's just what I want to talk about. Nope. It's a legit rant. Uh, Like you said, that Sean Rainey tweet really, I was like, wow, I didn't realize that it was so much more, you know, the number of attempts at the free throw line was so much more than the average of other games played that weekend. Just crazy. Yep. So what do you want to write about, Colby? I, I, <laughs> what's on your mind? So one of the things that's on my mind is we saw some stuff on Twitter during the conference tournament. And then, you know, after there were there was hints that the Wildcats might make an appearance in a postseason tournament. Seemed like they were going that way. We talked about the group coming back. And how there could be value in them playing in one of those tournaments to kind of get an idea or get a feel for tournament basketball. But they didn't. And I was a little bit bummed when the so 
selection Sunday happens. Okay. The bracket is out. And then shortly thereafter, the NIT bracket comes out. And then shortly after that, CIT bracket or CBI bracket comes out and no Weber state on the CBI bracket. I was a little bit bummed when I saw that because I was like, man, I really thought that the CBI was going to happen and it didn't. And it was also doubly annoying to watch SUU's playing over there and SUU, um, they ended up going just a little bit further than Weber state in their tournament in the WAC. They played for the championship. And I, lost I'm to- sorry. I'm not familiar with the school you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Totally fine. But this other school who, you know, is not very far away. They were playing the CBI, but the Wildcats did not. And I was a little bit bummed to not see that knowing the experience that they could get going to it. Um, since, you know, Brett Hine from the Standard Examiner has talked about how, you know, maybe there's some injury concerns. Guys are maybe a little bit a little bit beat up and that kind of stuff. And so maybe they just weren't ready to go. We've heard that in the past and that's understandable, right? Guys are just a little too. It's too much. And so. I was a little bummed, though. So it's a rant. Wish the Wildcats were playing in the CBI or something like that. They're not. Whatever. Haven't played in the postseason tournament since 2018. 2017. My bad. 2017. I, I feel like there's a... I, well, I'm not going to say it. I, <laughs> not going to say what, Sean? I, I, I feel like there's something about the athletic department and, and something about a living, breathing athletic director that may have something to do with that. But I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, listen, it hasn't happened since 17. A certain other guy was the AD before that, and they, they weren't happening then either. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So we'll wrap up the show. There's not any upcoming games because the season's over. Uh, so email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, patreon.com slash weberstateweekly. Sean Lewis, want to thank you so much, man, for talking some men's hoops with me this season. We're really looking forward to how things go. We might maybe do uh, a recruiting thing in the future, try and get some interviews with some folks in the off season, but wanted to thank you, man, for spending the time and chatting hoops. Give them always happy to do it. Colby love, love to talk. Weaver state basketball. We'll wrap it up. Like we always do, man. Weaver state, Weaver state. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. cats.